Signal is a podcast by the Bucks County Beacon. I'm your host and the Beacon's editor-in-chief, Cyril McAleco. Twice a month, we'll use this space to shine a light on the right-wing extremist currents streaming through Bucks County and beyond. We'll talk to guests who will help listeners navigate these perilous political waters by providing insight, analysis, and organizing solutions so that we can steer the community toward calmer, saner, progressive routes. On this episode, I welcome Liza Featherstone to the show. Liza is an author, journalist, essayist, and critic. She's a columnist at Jacobin in the New Republic, as well as a contributing writer at The Nation. She's the author of Divining Desire, Focus Groups in the Culture of Consultation, as well as Selling Women Short, The Landmark Battle for Workers' Rights at Walmart. She co-authored Students Against Sweatshops, and is editor of False Choices, The Faux Feminism of Hillary Rodham Clinton. Liza's currently editing a collection of Alexandra Kalantai's works for OR Books and International Publishers, and writing the introduction to that volume. Liza's work has been published in Lux, TV Guide, The New York Times, The Washington Post, Miss Magazine, The American Prospect, Columbia Journalism Review, Glamour, Teen Vogue, Descent, The Guardian, In These Times, and many other publications. Liza teaches in NYU's Literary Reportage Program, as well as the Columbia University School for International and Public Affairs. She's proud to be an active member of New York City's Democratic Socialists of America and of UAW Local 7902. Hi, Liza. Welcome to The Signal. Hi, Cyril. First, can you tell us how you became a feminist and some of the feminist work and organizing that you've been involved in over the years? Oh, sure. Um, well, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how I became a feminist. I mean, I grew up in the 70s, so um, feminism was really a much bigger part of the culture then than it is now. Um, you know, um, we were, there was a, a lot... Um, you know, because there was a mass movement, um, you know, a mass women's liberation movement, um, you know, kids were much more sort of raised um, to, um, you know, be conscious of gender equality and, you know, that there was, you know, that um, girls could do anything was sort of a mantra, you know, um, and, um, you know, but, um, but as as far as the um, things I've been involved with, I mean, in um, in recent, more recent decades, um, I've um, been um, involved in um, as a journalist in women's labor struggles. Um, I wrote um, a book, re- reported and wrote um, about um, the struggle for Walmart workers, um, to, um, um, achieve gender equality, both through trying to organize unions, um, in the workplace, which, um, can, can have a huge impact, um, on, on gender equality in the workplace, um, and also, um, through a massive class action suit, um, that women workers, um, brought against that company, um, which um, was at that time, and I think still is the largest private employer in the in the U.S. Um, so, um, um, so ever since ever since that project, I have been really um, 
um, much more of a, um, a working women's feminist or a socialist feminist. Um, I really see, um, I really, really see um, women's liberation as quite inseparable from um from women's um, workplace demands and um and for um you know redistribution of wealth in our society um because um, because women are the um um you know um, women are um as workers um um doubly um, exploited at home and on the job, but also um, a lot of the um, a lot of what all workers experience um, is magnified um, um, in the experience of women workers, as they can um, often be um, um, as, as they can often be subject to particular um, oppressions on the job, whether that's um, sexual harassment, which has gotten a lot of attention in recent years. Um, or um, um, more, uh, kind of even more commonly and sort of less reported and maybe less sort of sensational, you know, just, you know, discrimination and, you know, um, you know, lack of, um, lack of promotions, lack of pay and, um, and, and overall kind of, um, you know, a, a devalue, a, a lack of value placed on women's work um, because um, it benefits uh, capitalists to um, have this in you know, women as a class perform cheap labor. And that's something that really hasn't um, changed that much. There's been a lot of certainly a lot of progress in gender relations over the decades. But the um, the fact that capitalists consider women to be a, um, a class of people um, who can be paid less, um, you know, is certainly um, um, uh, unfortunately really persistent, but also gives women, I think, a, a certain um, special role and responsibility in the struggle against capitalism. <laughs> so great well I, that's a perfect segue to our next question um march 8th is international women's day and this was a day that was born out of radical aspirations um what is the people's history of this international day of action yeah what were some key people and groups organizing it and what were their goals yeah so you know you're gonna see a lot of um a lot of capitalist propaganda um, around this holiday. Um, we do, we see it every year. Last year, I was particularly um, indignant to see these happy women's women's day um, messages from Lockheed Martin and Northrop Northrop Grumman, these um, arms manufacturer companies. Um, and I was um, particularly galled to see that because the, um, the origins of international um Working Women's Day, by the way, as it was originally called, um, are um, it originates um, both in working class women's struggles um, against capitalism um, and also um, mass movement um, mass movement by workers um, against um, war against war and imperialism. So Lockheed Martin and Northrop Grumman are the last people who should be wishing us happy International Women's Day, right? That's just absurd. Um, so we really need to take it back from them and remind people every year of the actual history. So um, in, um, 
um, in the um, the the teens of last century, um, the nineteen teens, um, International Working Women's Day started to be um, an organizing point um, for socialist women, um, socialist women like Clara Zetkin, Alexandra Kollontai, um, and um, would organize um, working women in the um, in in the streets, and there were a lot of protests um, uh, ongoing and organizing by um, women workers to improve their conditions. Um, And um, um, there had been in New York City, the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire, um, um, one of the deadliest industrial accidents in history, um, led to a lot of of that um, organizing stateside. Um, But in um, um, in the Russian context, that organizing was leading up to um, something much more radical and much more um, uh, a demand for a different kind of society, um, for um, for for a um, a, a socialist society, um, and um, and so um, International Women's Day became a focal point, and um, and 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 those were the first. Um, International, the first International Women's Day celebrations were during that time. Um, they were um, both celebration and mass protest in the streets. Um, at the same time, um, a, in in Russia and throughout Europe, um, w- uh, women workers were also organizing against um, World War One, um, and um, and seeing that as a wasteful and pointless um, war um, that would only be, um, you know, that just, you know, while being waged by elites, um, working people, ordinary people would, would bear the burden of that, would be killed um, internationally. So, you know, as, as people are starting to be um, conscious of um, the internationalism of socialism, you know, how socialism has to be um, a global movement. Um, the um, the elites are sort of starting to think internationally too in terms of their war making, right? <laughs> you know, and so, and so it's sort of the um, World War One is this um, this real unifying point um, for um, for um, women socialist organizers um, around the world. Um, so it's, um, and, and so, so it, and actually, um, it leads, um, you know, it, it plays a real, um, role, um, in leading up to the Bolshevik revolution, um, and, um, and ultimately one of the most significant, um, mass riots, um, that leads, um, to, um, the Bolsheviks taking power took place on International Women's Day. So um, again, you know, don't let any capitalists wish you a happy Women's Day um, without you know reminding them this is really um, not their day. Well, I mean, that, that that sounds like a history that you know Governor Ron DeSantis would want to ban. And- Absolutely, there's a reason why these people, uh, why these why these Republicans want to crack down on history because history contains. A lot of um, a lot. I mean, you know, our our history contains a lot of narratives that um, really contradict their worldview. So, but I mean, really, this history has been suppressed or sanitized like long before this kind of current 
fascist. And, you know, it's not well known. It's not often taught. It's rarely even acknowledged publicly. Yeah. I mean, what are the institutional and cultural forces responsible for the whitewashing of histories of International Women's Day or even other radical histories within like the labor movement and the civil rights struggle? Sure. I mean, it's a great question and a complicated one. But um, but in terms of this um, particular history, one of the um, one of the major forces um, is, um, you know, in terms of Americans not learning about it is um, American anti-communism, um, which and when I say American anti-communism, I don't mean that as like a cultural attitude or like, you know, like Americans just don't you know, like collective action because we're an individualist society. I don't mean that at all. I mean, organized anti-communism. I mean, the um, every time communists and socialists were organizing in specific numbers in this country, there was a, there was massive suppression of their political activities and of their ideas. And, um, and certainly, you know, it was important to suppress these histories um, along with um, re- suppressing the actual people and their ideas. You know, so we, um, you know, we saw in the 1920s, there was significant um, socialist organizing um, and, um, and, um, and, you know, and, and in the 30s as well, um, in the 1930s, um, and in the United States. And, you know, we see the um, immense um, backlash against that in the 1940s um, and 50s, um, Red Scares, um, you know, and where, um, um, where um, communists are and people sympathetic to communists or in, you know, anyone perceived to be sympathetic to communists is, um, is rooted out of, uh, of government but not only out of government positions. I mean, people um, people were um, really um, rooted out of all kinds of jobs um, that um, relate to the production of knowledge. You know, um, there were huge red scares in in Hollywood, where you would think, you know, who cares if there are communists in 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 Hollywood? But the um, but the um, the capitalist uh, capitalist elites were sort of smart enough to know. It does matter when there are communists in Hollywood because they will tell different kinds of stories, you know, than um, um, than than capitalist sympathizers, and um, you know, some of those stories are um, like the one I just told you about International Women's Day, right? I mean, the, these stories are 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 important, and um, you know, the Ron DeSantis's and the Joe McCarthy's, and you know, the people like that have a great um, interest in making sure that we don't know them. So in 2019, you wrote an obituary of sorts uh, for Verso on their blog um, called uh, R.I.P. Rest in Peace, Elite White Feminist. Oh, yes. <laughs> what, what, what do what do you first what do you mean by that term elite white feminism and then like why do you think it died and is it still dead or 
Has it risen again in some zombie form to kind of eat the flesh off more radical feminists? <laughs> it always, it does have a zombie-like um, quality of being able to rise again, doesn't it? Um, and you know, so, in so in that way, the R.I.P. is, I, I guess, a bit of a, a rhetorical flourish, um, and um, perhaps even a bit of, of of poetic disinformation on my part. But um, but the uh, um, but what I meant was. Um, in 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 some ways, it's really um, in, in some ways um, that kind of um, uh, elite white feminism has run its course. And what I mean by elite white feminism is um, a, um, feminism that is really for the elites, by and for the elites. So a um, a feminism that understands, um, for example, um, you know. Um, uh, Hillary Clinton's candidacy as kind of um, the um, the pinnacle of what um, of, of what can be achieved um, by, um, by by women in this country and by feminism and um, and and for example um, you know that was um, you know one reason and you know I don't want to um, it, it's it's complicated right because you know Hillary Clinton did get a win a majority of votes against Donald Trump. I don't want to, um, you know, say, you know, nobody likes her. She's totally unpopular. Like, that's not true. Um, but, um, but I think, um, you know, if we reflect back to 2016 and, um, and what in, in some ways, um, you know, how little Donald Trump had to offer, to most people in terms of an, an actual, you know, actual improvements in their lives, you know, any democratic candidate should have won um, by a lot more. They should have won by a lot more of the popular vote. Um, and they should have won enough, you know, in red States to prevail in the electoral college. Right. Because um, I mean, just looking at, you know, what, what do Republicans have to offer, the vast majority of working people, as bad as the Democrats can be, the Republicans always have even less to offer, right? So rationally, that's what should have happened. Um, but that didn't happen. Um, and um, and I would say that the, um, the reason was not so much um, misogyny or racism, um, um, but, um, but a um, real failure of that kind of feminism to connect with the majority of people of men and women right um that um that you know it's um it's not particularly um it's not particularly um appealing to most people to just look at um you know what can women achieve equality at the very top echelon of our society like what does that matter to um, you if you're like a waitress in Ohio or Pennsylvania, you know, or, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It, it doesn't even affect um, my life very much. And I'm like, I, I guess part of the cultural elite, I teach, a, I teach some classes in universities or whatever. It still doesn't have any effect on my life either. Right. Um, you know, so you know, it's just um, I I think that 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 kind of um, feminism has um, has really um, uh, run its course in terms of being able to deliver for regular people. And if anything, 
is almost creates almost contributes to backlash against itself um by um um by engaging and fueling you know kind of um um culture wars and by that i i sort of i mean you know you sort of being drawn in to characters like donald trump and sort of the outrage of them you know and you know and trying to sort of um get people really fired up about you know um how um you know um character men like that are really sexist it's like i don't know most women know a lot of men like that and you know are either mad about it or not you know i mean but the but it, it doesn't necessarily touch on the primary like who's going to watch my kids while i'm at work how am i going to afford to um, work and raise my kids? Um, how am I going to feed these kids? You know, I mean, these are the things most women are worrying about, right? I mean, and um, and so so I think that the um, I, I think that the sort of elite white feminism in which you know, in the in this sort of bubble in which um, what people are most mad about is that Hillary Clinton didn't win the 2016 election. And that's where we were in 2019 with like a lot of the leaders of the uh, feminist movement. That was their primary thing. Now, I, I, I do think that um, I do think that with the um, legal backlash against abortion in this country, that um, that you know, there's, there, there's sort of more possibility that, um, feminism comes, um, a bit down to earth and, you know, engages with what everyone else is concerned about, <laughs> you know, you know, sort of, you know, basic human rights. Um, sure. um, there's, um, you know, elite, elite feminism is, 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 is a problem for sure. And I think it has a lack of, um, um, a, a lack of traction, a lack of of, of momentum and, and popularity. You see that in like, I mean, I'll just give, like, give an example is, you know, there's, you know, for, you know, people are, you know, so excited by these like small pop culture developments, um, you know, like, um, um, like, like Rihanna's playing at the Super Bowl and she's going to make some kind of feminist statement and, and, and that's, and that's great. But um, International Working Women's Day is approaching, and um, there has um, there there's been very little um, organizing on um, you know for like a mass a mass protest um, even on the abortion issues you know and um, that kind of thing and um, so uh, yeah I think elite femi- white feminism has run its course. Um, but yes, as you suggest, it does always it does always come back in zombie form. Um, I guess another example of its um, death is you might say um, um, the twenty twenty primary. Um, I, I think that the um, the fact that there was no um, there were such such a large field of women candidates um, and that there was no um one um woman in that field like there there was there was no there was no candidate that people could really um come together around as like the as the feminist candidate and um 
and you know i think i i think that 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 um you know, just despite the fact that you know a lot of um like a lot of elite women were very excited about how many women there were in the field but that kind of um the individualist orientation of that movement is just like oh yeah like go amy you know whatever like you know and there's a sort of a, a you go girl excitement around that but actually you know things change because of collective action and you know you can't um you can't just um you know tr- you can't transform society by like six women running against each other in a primary i, I mean i think that, that to me is just an- another example of like the sense in which this um this form of feminism has kind of run its course and you know it's just like you can only accomplish so much by like elevating um very wealthy individuals well well then what organizing and movements are you seeing today either here in the US or globally that actually continues the working class and anti-war tradition of you know international women's days of the past and the feminist yeah. movements of the past um, well i think um one um um one one exciting um um strain of organizing that we're seeing is the labor movement and i mean to put it in perspective like yes um labor um like union membership um is at a historic low and that's um very depressing for those of us who are union members and feel that that it's um really crucial to um making progress in in our society but then again i mean we are seeing um a lot of exciting um new union organizing um even in the sector where i work in higher education um we've been um we've been um seeing a lot of strikes a lot of new um you know um, n- new organizing um we see um among sectors that young people work in like um um like like a growing um growing unionization in Starbucks um and um Amazon um and in the sort of um you know, and among the sort of regular people who have been in unions for years, like the railroad workers, you know, um, that I think they're, um, I, I think we're seeing um, a lot of, um, of that. And, and in terms of women, um, and, um, you know, and, and women's organizing, um, women are taking a lead in a lot of these, um, a, a lot of, a lot of these situations, um, certainly, um, um, so certainly they're like at the forefront of the organizing in the, um, in the academic unions. And I'd say, um, in the, um, in this, in the service sector, like, um, like the Starbucks organizing as well. Um, you know, these are, um, you know, um, sectors where, um, where women's labor tends to be particularly exploited, um, and, um, um, and people are fighting back. Um, the uh, I will I would also say I think something else that's um, really um, an, an encouraging sort of continuation of these International Women's Day um, origins um, are, is um, we're uh, we're also seeing um, more um, democratic socialist organizing 
Um, I personally am a member of Democratic Socialists of America, and in New York City, we've been um, having a lot of success um, organizing, electing electing candidates um, that are open socialists and um, fighting for things like, um, um, you know, um, the uh, public ownership of renewable energy. Um, and, um, and we're also there, um, you know, in terms of working, um, in, in terms of, in terms of working women, um, like we've been fighting to pass, um, legislation at city council that protects, um, workers, um, job security, um, people in other countries are always horrified to learn that in the United States, um, you can be fired for any reason from your job, which is so crazy. I mean, and like that, you know, that the, the boss just doesn't even have to have a reason. Um, and, um, and so, uh, we, we are fighting for a bill in city council that will say, um, actually they have to have a reason, which is, sounds very modest, but anybody, um, but anybody who has a job in um, the United States of America will know that's actually a pretty big deal. Um, So, um, you know, trying to do some stuff. Great. Um, And, and finally, this last question is, is kind of a riff on um, what the New York times asks authors and it's, by oh, the book okay, interview so, <laughs> you're, you're organizing an international women's day protest which three feminists dead or alive would you want to organize it with oh gosh um so um i'd say um alexandra kolontai um, who is um, one of um, the um, originators of international women's day um and um and was um, very clear-headed um, about the difference between um, the working women's cause and um, the um, the bourgeois feminists. So she used that term because she was a communist, um, and uh, um, which you know it sounds funny today, but it's still true. Um, and um, um, she was um, also a very um, snappy dresser, so I think she'd add a lot of, um, of flair to the event, um, and uh, um, and was a great speaker as well. Um, and um, I think we'd also um, we'd want to have um, um, I think we'd want to have Claudia Jones, um, a um, a uh, famous um, 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 black communist organizer in the United States um, who has been um, underappreciated um, by the um, the anti-communist forces um, to suppressing um, workers' history that we spoke about earlier. And let's see who would who should we have as our our third person? I think for a um, a. a th- third person you know what um i mean i'm gonna pick a a person living if you um i don't know if you if you know um medea benjamin but i mean she has just kept the anti-war anti-imperialist fight alive in the united states through you know just every like every drought you know, like, 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 there's this, like, it's, it's a very hard, um, it's a very hard critique to uphold in the United States because we just have so much obligatory 
patriotism and um and 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 so much um you know so, you know pro, so much pro military um propaganda um you know thrown at us constantly um and um and Medea has really um kept really kept that alive and been um you know at the at the forefront of that even now um i mean and and i would say that um actually as great a time as it is right now for 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 labor organizing and socialist organizing in the United States, it's um it's actually still um a pretty tough time for the anti-war um critique um you know there's um, um our our media is just like nonstop like um you know like we must wage war against the Russians um and you know China next you know I mean and um and I really um. Uh, I, I admire admire Medea a lot for holding it down, and I think she would make a good um, third person to our um, our our, um, our our hypothetical um, confab. Great. Um, well, thanks thanks so much, Liza, for joining us on the Signal. Um, Thank you, Cyril. Really yeah. a pleasure. Um, you can follow Liza on Twitter at L Feathers. That's L F E A T H E R Z. Um, and thanks again, and I hope you have a militant, socialist, and anti-war International Women's Day. Oh, you too. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks a lot. This has been The Signal, a podcast by the Bucks County Beacon. I'm Cyril McGlego, Editor-in-Chief and Host. For more progressive news, analysis, and opinion from Bucks County and beyond, go to www.buckscountybeacon.com. Signal is produced by Kevin Mahoney at Rating Chicken Media. Intro-outro music by Moff et Tula, featuring Cartas a Felice, used with permission. Mm-hmm.